Right, um, I've tried to angle the camera slightly differently. Are you still gonna get a, the glare of my bald head? But uh, there you go. Um, I thought I'd do, you know, given it's Sunday, I thought I'd do a little Sunday sermon. So it's uh, it's a concept of um, there's, there's something I wanted to share, which I think is um, quite interesting, an interesting exercise of sort of how to see the world. And it, it's a very um, eye-opening perspective. So what I've, um, what I've been doing is I've been sort of looking at things and thinking about things from a purely Catholic perspective. So from, you know, the little to the, to the big, from the micro to the macro, um, for example, uh, the Industrial Revolution. Industrial Revolution is generally thought as a great thing that advanced technology. However, the Industrial Revolution mechanized human beings, you know, make, made human beings become sort of cogs in a machine, pretty much. And we can see this today. In today's world, we don't even, we don't even have the concept, really, of not being a cog in a machine, unless you're a farmer. And even if you're a farmer, a lot of farmers are now, you know, mechanized because they are part of huge um, uh, in industries that uh, mechanize the whole system. So in order to sort of understand what I'm talking about, you'd have to be like a little, uh, I think what the Americans call a homesteader. That is uh, somebody who's just got his own little family and his own little field of food and a couple of goats and, you know, sheep and whatever. <clears throat> and very few people are still doing that, especially in the Western world. So I just sort of thought, well, was the Industrial Revolution really a good positive thing? And what would it be like to live in a society that was purely original, hardcore Catholic? Now, if you don't know what that is or what that would look like, then I always refer people to this website called um, canon188.com. That's canon with one N the number 188.com. And if you go on the about page there, it's probably the best website I've found to give a quick rundown of what the Catholic Church actually was, is, um, and it's got nothing to do with the Bergoglian heresy. But it works also in the micro. You know, for example, there's this, this couple we know that's um, emigrating. They were going to live in another country and they've got a, a young daughter and they're going to be living pretty well, um, you know, out there because uh, it's quite, um, it's quite a, uh, it's a country, let's say, where their their money will, will go a long way there. And, um, but they're not planning to have any more kids. So they've got the one daughter and that sort of it. And, you know, they're good parents and they've, they've sacrificed a lot for the, for their child and so on. And now they're going to sort of emigrate back, you know, they'd lived in this other country for some years, then they had the girl and they decided to come to England for education and so on. And they've done that for a few years and now they're going to go back. She's now old enough that, you know, she, she'll be in a good school out there and everything. But the reason that they're not going to have another child most likely is because, you know, they want to travel, they want to still do stuff, they're still young, they can still, you know, sort of do all the fun stuff, I guess. And they sort of see another kid as being 
possibly getting in the way of that and um, not being able to travel, not to see the world, that sort of stuff. And you know, again, if you think of it, you know, you can only think that way if you're thinking from a secular, agnostic or atheist sort of perspective, because if you're thinking from a Catholic perspective, the whole point is to have family, to have more kids, to have loads of kids, to have big family, big extended family, and to have them, you know, live nearby and so that you can all sort of help each other and know each other and so on. I didn't have that upbringing, you know, I, I was pretty much fucking nomadic uh, to, to, the, to the real true meaning of that word. But uh, my point is, you know, if you, if you look at your work, look at how you go to work and what's the situation there? What would it mean to have a sort of a Catholic outlook on your working situation? And it's really interesting. It's an interesting exercise to do, regardless of whether you're Catholic or not, regardless whether you believe in Catholicism or not. It's really interesting because it highlights a lot of the things that you think are positive actually turn out to be negative and vice versa. And it's quite an eye-opening exercise to do in terms of um, a philosophy of thought, you know. So uh, it's just a thought, you know. And then if you extend it a little bit, you, know, you, you have to know a little bit about Catholicism in order to, to, to do this m more deeply. But uh, another thing that um, I think is very interesting, as, as a kid, I always found the concept of confession to be absurd, you know. Like, why would you tell your deepest, darkest, shame of shameful secrets and fears and so on to another human, a priest, which we all know, you know, these pedophiles are often hiding behind the, um, the priestly robes. But of course, that's because, you know, those guys are not real priests. They are the infiltrated um, predatory homosexual and pedophiles that have infiltrated the church. And so throughout my whole life, I've never known a church that was not converged. I had to go and look it up. I had to go and read books. I had to go and discover, hey, what was it like? And then find the people that, oh, these guys still are still like that. They're still doing the original stuff. And there's few and far between, you know. But um, the thing is, you had to, um, you have to like go back to that to sort of understand what what it's all about. And and how people used to live under that uh, belief system. If and when you do that, you start to realize that the secularized churchanity that we live under is a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. And it's uh, it's not better. By far, it's not better. Uh, and I include in this things like confession, because um, the idea that you have to confess your sins to a priest and that you do that, you know, weekly at least, or, you know, in, in our case, because the priest is quite far away, it's monthly when we can get there. Sometimes we can't get there. But it's sort of like it forces you to be better because let's say you do some, some you know, whatever, you lose your temper or you're rude or... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Or you you get drunk. You know you're a you're a habitual drunk. You're going to confess and say you know like, I I got drunk this week again. You know and I because I was drunk I screwed up at my job. I shot at my wife or whatever. And the priest talks to you. You know and he tells you like you know you might ask some questions to to clarify and whatever. 
and then he'll give you your penance and you you know if he doesn't believe that you will do your penance he, he'll ask you you know he'll sort of put you on the spot now next week you've got to go back to this guy so one of two things is is going to happen you know and, and this is let's assume that you've got a good priest right let's assume that you have a good priest so let's just take that out of the equation so then what happens well you got to go there again next week and Again, the same sin, you know, this, I'm, I'm drunk again, you know. What does that make you feel like? What does that make you look like to yourself, you know? And it's like, man, shit, you know, I've done it twice now. And another priest is like, dude, you know, you're taking a piss or what, you know, sort of thing. It forces you to think about stuff because you're like, I don't, I don't want to behave like that because I don't want to lie. I don't want to go to confess and lie. And if I don't lie, if I tell the truth, then it's the same thing that I've done again. It forces you to like take a bit more thought in what you do and how you think. So even something as as I used to think it was an absurd concept, you know, when I wasn't a Christian, when I didn't believe and so on. But it has a very civilizing effect. And then you start to think about that stuff and you start to think about the Inquisition and what people think about the Inquisition. I mean, what I used to think about the Inquisition because that's what I was told at school as a kid, right? Inquisition, they were just burning witches at the stake, you know? And they weren't really witches, of course, because witches don't exist. They were just these poor women that, like, didn't do anything wrong. You know, maybe they were just ahead of their times, or maybe they were a bit psychic and they got burnt at the stake. That's not actually what the Inquisition was. That's not actually what the Inquisition was. And, you know, the witches that got hung in, in Salem, th those were like Protestants, by the way. It wasn't, uh, you know, one of the most famous cases of witches getting killed, nothing to do with the Catholic Church. But Catholicism did have the Inquisition. It was. But what the Inquisition originally was, was once uh, Spain fought back and reconquered Spain, because Spain had essentially been conquered by the Moors, you know, the Muslims had come over and sort of kicked ass all the way to, to France, pretty much. And when the Reconquista happened, you know, the, the Spaniards sort of took the, the Spain back. Um, there were enclaves and, you know, this took 200 years. It wasn't like an overnight thing. But there were uh, quite a lot of Jewish merchants that had initially... Um, worked together with the Moors to invade Spain and the the Jews that had helped the Muslims to do this would gain from it materially in terms of uh, money and so on. Um, so when the Reconquista happens, they, um, the Jews basically got the option to either convert or leave, leave Spain because, um, you know, quite sort of reasonably they... Um, the, the king of Spain and whatever, they, they sort of thought, you know, you guys can't be trusted. You kind of screwed us over the first time. And now what are you doing? And some of these guys basically said, yeah, okay, we'll convert. But they just carried on, you know, kind of like Ari and the $20 a head that I mentioned in my last video. Um, so the Inquisition was actually to ensure that the people who said they had converted really had converted and weren't just saying that converted while still carrying on the, the sort of practice of making deals with the Muslim invaders that were being pushed back and sort of helping them to not get pushed back and reconquer cities and so on. And that's what Inquisition was. Now, 
And it was quite, if you look at the records of it, it was really quite uh, difficult to get burnt at the stake. It was kind of a pretty difficult thing to, to happen. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that got burnt at the stake wasn't, you know, was guilty and needed to be burnt at the stake. I don't know. But um, I haven't, I certainly haven't done a detailed study of it. But what I'm saying is that perhaps quite a few of the people that you think were all completely innocent, maybe they weren't that innocent, you know. And in overall numbers, if you look at what the actual Inquisition was, the overall numbers are, are nothing. You know, they're like a few thousand people over a couple hundred years, which, you know, nowadays we do that with like one bomb. So you have to sort of keep it in context and what was it about. And, and the thing is, let's take burning people at the stake as a, as a thing, right? It's barbaric, it's just awful, it's terrible. Well, let's take pedophiles. Now, I'm sure we all agree that pedophiles are stealing oxygen. You know, somebody who rapes little kids does not deserve to live as far as I'm concerned. And the law, in my opinion, should be changed so that such people can be put to death. That's what I absolutely believe. And uh, I'd be advocating for that. If I had anything to do with politics, I'd be advocating for the death penalty for, you know, pedophiles, child rapists, that sort of thing. Um, now, you know, I'd want strong proof, you know, that that happened, you know. Um, but there are pedophiles that are on camera raping little kids. And these guys are, you know, they get a few years and they get off and so on. No, uh, on my, in my ideal world, people that do that would be hung by the... Actually... I come back to burning at the stake. And why? Because let's say you have some horrific pedophiles raping little kids left, right and center, maybe murdering babies, you know, whatever. And you hang this guy quietly out of sight. You know, that's what happens. He, 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 he dies. Well, how much of a deterrent is that? But if that same guy gets burnt in the town square and, you know, Call it Trafalgar Square because, you know, London is a big city. But every week, every weekend, Trafalgar Square, this guy has been, you know, there's absolutely no doubt about the fact that he's 100% guilty of raping little kids. You burn him at the stake in Trafalgar Square. Now, no doubt most people watching this probably think, geez, that would be awful, that would be barbaric. What about the children seeing it? And what about the women seeing it? And it's disgusting and, you know. You don't have to be in Trafalgar Square. Nobody's going to force you to be in Trafalgar Square, right? But everybody would know about it. Everybody would know about it. And they would know why he got burnt at the stake. And if they were a bit curious about it, they'd go and see it and they'd be like, geez, that's pretty rough, man. Because I'm pretty sure that if you're getting burnt alive, it's not going to be pretty. you know. And you're not going to be too happy about it while it's happening. Now, that's a deterrent. Now, people say that, oh, corporal punishment is no deterrent, it doesn't work. That's absolute bullshit. Nonsense. Go to Singapore. There's no theft. There's no rape. There's no violent crimes, really. Why? Because in Singapore, they've got draconic punishments. And similarly, you know, in Saudi Arabia, for all that, I would never visit there at all. You know, you'd have to, I don't know, there's not enough money in the world for me to go to Saudi Arabia for, for whatever reason. But um, the thing is, in Saudi Arabia, you can literally drop your wallet in the street and people won't steal it. They'll just push it aside so you don't walk on it sort of thing. Why? Because for stealing, you get your hands cut off, you know. 
So the fact that corporal punishment doesn't work is not deterrent is bullshit. But how is it administered makes a difference. So, you know, there's, there's an argument to be made that burning people at the stake was a civilizing factor in Western uh, civilization. You know, I don't, I'm not going to argue strenuously that it's uh, absolutely a good thing every time. I'm not saying that. And, you know, there are problems with it. But the thing is, if you have to choose between, you know, let, let's see which society is more degraded. The one where you burn people at the stake for horrific crimes that they have committed. Or the one where you've got Netflix and, you know, iPhones and uh, Windows computers and Netflix puts on a show about 13 reasons why, about teenagers killing themselves, and suddenly you have a spree of little kids killing themselves. You've got abortions that are numbering the 60 million over the last 10 years, something like that, and that's just in the United States, I think. I don't know, don't quote me on the numbers, I might be a bit off here or there, but it's millions, you know, it's tens of millions of aborted babies um, in the last decade or so, a couple of decades. Um, now, keep in mind that, again, you know, to your mind, you're just like, oh, it's just abortion, you know, it's just a clump of cells. No, it's not a clump of cells. It's a baby that they tear apart limb from limb. That's what actually happens. And now, with the new law that's passed in the States, you can tear that baby limb from limb literally the day he's born. It's a baby. Baby. Functioning baby, just tear it apart while it's alive, you know. Uh, that's what abortion is. Keep in mind that, you know, not even a hundred years ago, the very concept of abortion was, was completely horrific. It was considered murder, you know. And how did this all come about? How did this all change so fast? Well, it changed because of the Protestants. Because up until about 1920, 1930, every denomination of Christianity, including the Protestants, including every branch of Protestantism, um, simply uh, considered contraception as a sin. Why? Well, because the purpose of sex is to create children and create a family. Once you divorce the uh, sexual instinct of creating children, of procreation, once you divorce that from sex, sex is no longer about family. Sex is no longer about children. It's about sport. It's now uh, an entertainment. So you now have sex for entertainment. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm 50 years old, and for the vast majority of, of my life, I, I have lived pretty much like every other secular person, and I was very happy that there was contraception. So I'm not pointing fingers here, fire and brimstone, saying, you sinner, you evil sinner. Yeah, you are. You're a fucking evil, wrong-ass sinner. So was I, you know? So the fact that I'm, I'm you know, if you've had an abortion, I'm calling you basically a murderer. Uh, don't think, you know, I've been involved in abortions myself so don't don't think that I'm pointing the finger at you without pointing a finger at me you know I'm not I, I don't do that it's just not how I'm built I don't apply any laws any rules to anybody else that I'm not willing to shoulder myself first and foremost and usually more than what I would apply to others so if you're a woman watching this and I don't think there are any women that watch my videos but at some point there probably will be and you've had an abortion and you think, oh my God, he just called me a fucking murderer. What a stupid, evil son of a bitch. He doesn't understand my situation, blah, 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 blah. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. So what you did. You killed a baby. 
right? And there's payback for that somewhere in the afterlife somehow. I don't know. I'll find out. And I'll probably be burning a little bit lower than, than you are. Okay? But still a fact. Fact's a fact. Now, once you divorce the sexual instinct from procreation, and it becomes sport and entertainment, now you have sex for fun, babies become an inconvenience. And that's why you abort them. Yeah. A baby is a miracle. You're creating a new life. You're creating a brand new human being. And, you know, I don't give a flying fuck for people that say, oh, it's a fetus, it's a composite. No, you fucking idiots. Fetus is Latin, okay? It's my original language. Latin for baby, yeah? So it doesn't matter if you change the name. It's a baby. The only thing that a human baby, a human zygote can become is a human baby. It's a human baby. That's it. That's what you're doing. Uh, <clears throat> And again, you know, I'm not squeamish. I think there's a whole bunch of people on this planet that deserve to stop breathing, but babies are not one of them, you know? And getting back to what I was saying before, which is the sicker society? The one that burns really evil sick fucks at the stake or the one that has 60 million abortions in a couple of decades, that has shows on TV that show that suicide is fine, that show that uh, a homosexual lifestyle is just as valid as um, <clears throat> a heterosexual lifestyle where you have a family and it isn't. And again, the statistics, um, I'm gonna post a link to a study that was done, just one of many, there are many studies like this. If you look for them, they're there. You know, the incidence of sexual abuse um, amongst homosexuals, uh, and I mean both men and women, homosexual men and homosexual women, is something like an order of magnitude, more than an order of magnitude more than the sexual abuse uh, by heterosexuals. Now, it's also true that the incidence of this, in other words, homosexuals not only are more than 10 times as likely to be sexual abusers of children, yeah, men and women, gays and lesbians, but they themselves are more than 10 times likely to have been abused as children. And, you know, this is, um, Mo Moira Grayland, who I, I communicate with quite regularly, um, who wrote the book uh, The Last Closet, uh, and it's a, it's a hardcore book. You should read that book um, if, you, if you can. It's, um, she was raised by um, gay parents who sexually abused her, you know, you know, in horrific ways. And she knows and uh, a lot of gay people and ex-gay people and she advocates very much for um, the ex-gay community because this is a community that gets sort of shadow banned from everything you know because there's a lot of gay people that were not happy in that lifestyle and that hey they they decided to change and they went the other way but we are in a society now where you have to celebrate homosexuality yeah so we're now in a, in a society that has to celebrate homosexuality, which we know for a fact, just on a purely objective fact, regardless of whether you believe it's okay, not okay, it doesn't matter. On the numbers alone, on, and that's of reported cases. Keep in mind that the reported sexual abuse is always a fraction of the real amount of sexual abuse. But we know for a fact that the homosexual lifestyle is connected to 10 times the amount of child abuse that a non-homosexual lifestyle is. So. What do you got to say for that? You think that's okay? You think maybe we should be looking for different answers there? 
especially when there are large groups now that are starting to become vociferous of ex-gay people that are saying, no, I actually went to church, I started going to church, reading the Bible, or I went to a therapist and I wanted to end this lifestyle and I did, and now I've got a family and I'm happy. And if you want to see a really powerful testimony of that, there's a guy called Cy Rogers, that's S-Y Rogers, and he's got videos out there on YouTube, two hour long stuff, really interesting stuff. Now, you know, some of you that might be a bit squeamish sort of think, oh, well, like, I don't really want to watch some gay guy talk about his lifestyle. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm certainly no fan of that sort of, uh, of a program to do with, with homosexuality, but it's a very interesting, Cy Rogers is a very interesting speaker, is a very captivating speaker. And, and he's not alone. There's plenty of people like him that have, you know, become straight from having been gay. And there was abuse. Almost always, almost invariably, there is abuse in, um, in people that are homosexual in their, in their past. So again, you know, I'm not saying should burn homosexuals at the stake. What I'm saying is these people might need some help and there should be options for them to find that help if they want it, you know. And if they don't want it, I still don't want them anywhere near kids. Just on a purely numerical basis, you know. It's like saying, um, I, I don't want pit bulls next to my kids. And they've got a lower incidence of killing people than homosexuals do of abusing children. I still don't want them near my kids. You know, I'm not going to have a fucking pit bull near my kids. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring your kids next to a pit bull. I don't know you. I wouldn't have a pit bull near your kids, right? So that's all I'm saying. So which society is sicker? Because just on the abortion, you've got 60 million souls to account for. Yeah. And even if we were burning people at the stake for sexual depravity, I think you'd struggle to hit 60 million in two decades. That's a lot of bonfires, you know? Also because I'm pretty sure that after the first 10,000, let's, you, you, let's say you were a, you know, some kind of real freak, right? Some, some Nazi equivalent of the Holy Inquisition and you, you're gonna burn at the stake anybody who's just even slightly gay or waves at you a bit funny, you know? After the first 10,000 burnt at the stake, guess what? No one is going to present as homosexual. So you're, you're not going to get to 60 million. You're not going to get to 60 million dead people, dead souls, dead children. Yeah. Even if you were the most sort of vicious, you know, make Torquemada look like a real little pussy, still not going to hit 60 million, you know, people burnt at the stake. So if you're looking just at the raw numbers, you know, the most hardcore, let's call it bigoted, zealous, uh, inflexible, religious tyranny is, you know, hundreds of times preferable to what we have nowadays. Oh, well, what about reason and atheism and logic? That's even worse. Because the atheists, you know, Mao Zedong, Stalin, and Hitler, because, you know, people are trying to say, oh, well, Hitler was an occultist and blah, blah, blah. The thing is, Hitler didn't believe in God and neither did the Nazis. The Nazi regime had nothing to do with Christianity and, in fact, was against Catholicism. So, lump those three guys together. Just those three guys, you know, then you've got to throw in Pol Pot and so on. Millions of people, over 100 million people, wiped out. 
by the secularists who want to make a paradise on earth without God. Yeah, that's what happens when you take God out of the equation. So as a philosophical exercise, I strongly recommend try to imagine, you know, and it's, it's a little game. It's entertaining. It's actually really interesting. Whatever situations you come up with, maybe something you watch on TV, maybe just a conversation with your friends, maybe your situation at work, maybe your situation with friends, whatever. Just look at it and think, well, what would this look like if we lived under a hardcore, zealotous, uh, Catholic um, realm? You know, if, if we were under a, a very Catholic, very religious um, civilization. And I'm not talking about, you know, the really hardcore sort of Warhammer 40,000 burn anything that looks funny like as, at the stake as a heretic. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just a society that actually follows the actual rules of the Catholic Church, which has got nothing to do with Bergoglio. And quite likely you don't know what the rules of the Catholic Church are. You probably have to read the Catechism of Trent or something like that. Um, or any catechism really before 1958 probably will give you a general generic idea. But, you know, the concept of lying, stealing, murder, all that stuff is out. Um, treat your neighbor like you wish to be treated, that sort of thing. Family is the most important thing. Children are the most important thing in the family. Obedience, you know, um, humility, uh, so on. Uh, it's sort of, you know, God, family, country type of thing in pretty much that order, God, family, country. So that's, uh, it's an interesting thought experiment. So for this Sunday, that's my, uh, my sort of message or challenge to you. Just try and do that and see what happens. See what you think about, see how you think things through. And, and if you want, please leave me some comments about it because I'm interested. I'm actually interested in your thought processes in what happens when you think about this stuff, when you think it through and, just see what you come up with. I'm I'm actually curious at what other people notice if they try to do this this um this exercise. So let me know about it. You know, drop me some comments or um and um, let me know. And keep spreading the videos because um, it infuriates the gammas, which is a good thing. And um, you know, it's, it's spread the word a bit. So um, a couple of <laughs> some people have asked me to that they want to see me do a four hour rant with, with Owen Benjamin. And uh, I'm not sure either one is quite up for that, but uh, I'd happily talk to Owen if he, if he wants to. Um, and, you know, I don't know that a five hour rant about all the thoughts in my head would, I don't know, we're quite there, but maybe, you know, if you get enough people, who knows? And uh, I've got more than a few hours of rants worth in, in, in my head. So, I mean, I can go on for days on, on just, couple of topics you know and you start me off on the church and philosophy and martians and the gravity machines nazis the nazi regime the real history of stuff i could go on for days quite frankly but uh, i'm just over the half hour mark i'm gonna try and keep this one short i'm trying to like actually do shorter ones when uh, when i say so and uh yeah like i said give me a thumbs up share it and let me know what you think about the uh, the thought experiment of acting and thinking about what would this look like if we lived under a very sort of Catholic regime. Okay, let me know.